This is 105.9 The Region with your stories, the good news in our neighborhoods, our cities, our country, and beyond. This is good to hear. 105.9 The Region, and this is indeed good to hear. Uh, A lot of events are back to in-person events, and that includes the Spelling Bee of Canada, which has been around since 1987. And there are four finalists uh, in this year's event, which, um, by the way, happens this weekend, uh, June the 12th. And it's actually going to be live streamed on, of all places, CBC Sports. So, yeah, this could be a sports. It's a competition. And one of the finalists, there are four finalists from New York Region. One of them is uh, Krishav Shah from Markham. Hi, Krishav. How are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you? I am just F-I-N-E. And and I am going to admit to you right off the top, I am the I'm a horrible horrible speller. I hope that's okay. No, it's completely fine. Okay, um, how long have you been? Is this your first competition? Um, no, with, at this level? Oh uh, no, I was actually in the finals for twenty twenty as well, and I got second place there. Wow, that's fantastic. It, is it nerve wracking? Definitely. Like whenever I started spelling bee, um, my nerves are just going off. But as I get into it, it's just calming, I guess. When did you first know that you had kind of an aptitude for spelling words? Well, in grade four, there was a school-wide spelling bee and the grades covered were like grade four to eight. And I actually came first place and I got to go to regional after that as well. So there I discovered that I was so, you know, one of the most misspelled words is necessary. And uh, I get, I think it's N-E-C-E-S-S-A-R-Y. And I think the reason I know that is because I just saw it. Is that right, by the way? N-E-C-E-S-S-A-R-Y? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How do you see that word different than I do? Why is it so difficult for me to remember that? And the only reason I got it right is because I just looked at it. How do you see a word well, like, one of the main ways I just have it in my head, I guess. And sometimes I just like to close my eyes and make it, like, from get appear in my head so I can just read it off of what I'm seeing in my head. That just helps me. And as you're reading it, though, um, right. have, have, are you reading it? You've already spelled it all out, or are you sort of reading along, going going with the word, and it's just coming out as you're going with it? I usually try to break up a word into a few sections. Like, I wouldn't be spelling the entire word at the same time. I would maybe say a few letters, check my spelling, just get know, know that I'm on the right track, and then keep on going after that. So it, let's think back to 2020 when you came in second. Right. What was one of the words that you got right? Um, or do you recall? Do you recall one of the words that you spelled right to get into those finals? Um, honestly, I don't remember because it was almost two years, but. Okay. Give, give me a difficult word. Just give me a difficult word that that you can think of just off the top of your head. Um, I would say grandiose. Okay. Grandiose is good because it is, it's not an uncommon word. So I should know. All right. So I'm going to say G-R-A-N-D-I-O-S-E. That's perfect. Wow. Look at me. Look at me. Um, how important is it when they when, when you say can you use it in the sentence? 
Um, well, it gives, first of all, if it's a verb, you need to know like what tense it's being used in because sometimes there's just that silent D at the end. It's not entirely silent, of course, but it just messes you up sometimes. You want to know that. And for nouns, it, it's sometimes helpful. Maybe if it's a capital letter, you want to know that. But other than that, sentence is just to give yourself a bit more time to get the spelling. Okay, this may seem like a silly question, but but yeah. how important is spelling and that we spell things right these days? Well, like, now the technology is becoming a lot more prominent. Like, mm-hmm. there's auto, there's, like, spell check. And so, like, whenever we type up something, Google Docs or Word may just correct it for us. So, like, in the grand scheme of things, spelling is is still really helpful because even if Google Docs or Word is correcting something, you still need to know that that's correct. So, for example, complement is a word, like a homophone that sounds the same but has different spellings and different meanings for those spellings. So, so well, okay. Yeah. Compliment. I'm giving you a compliment. You're a good speller. You, right. you the, 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 your hat complements your shirt. Are those the same or am I missing a definition here? Those are different, actually. Those are different? So, I believe so, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, this this is what escapes me about the English language. It's so confusing. And, and right? yeah. There's a lot of confusing things about the English language, yeah. Definitely. It, it is um and, and we have we're in now what we call the autocorrect generation. And it's not so much about ages, it's just more about people that use uh computers, Google and 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 Word and spell check and things like that. Right, yeah. Do you first of all, do you use those? Well, whenever I'm typing up something for school, it just pops up. If I'm just trying to type really fast, then yeah, I type everything out, then I go back to correct it. And um, what do you think though of spellcheck? What what if someone someone said to you, you have a choice to tell your entire class or tell all children being educated in Ontario and all teens being educated in Ontario, you will no longer be allowed to use spellcheck at all. What would you think of that? I honestly think that would be a pretty good idea because right now Google is Google Docs or Word is helping quite a bit. And then just giving that would be a more clear indication of like where we're really at and give us the high, uh, bigger room for improvement. What do you hope to do? And what do you hope to do in the future? And does spelling have anything to do with it? Well, like I actually want to be a neurosurgeon and there's a lot of complicated terms. In um, in any form of medicine, of course, and just having that um, those spellings known, it would probably help quite a bit with the job itself. I love the fact that you are a champion speller, and you also want to be a neurosurgeon. You must have some very very happy parents. Well. They're definitely very happy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for taking the uh, time to chat with no me. Uh, and uh, good luck this weekend. It's uh, June 12th at uh, the Toronto Reference Library. And you can watch it on CBC Sports being live streamed starting at 10 in the morning. So good luck. Go get them. And uh, you've already done Markham Proud. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Thank you, Grishif. Thank you for your time. All right, Chris Shaw from Good Markham. Honor. He is one of the finalists in the 35th Annual National Spelling Bee Championships. Good to hear. This is the good news.
It is bike month in the region, and it's a great excuse and a great reason to get out there, get on a bicycle, drive around uh, around York region, and don't worry about cars and get healthy while doing it. To talk more about it, thrilled to be joined by the York Region Project Manager for Sustainable Mobility, Diana Kakamusias. Uh, Diana, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. I, I know a lot of people see all the tweets and all the stories about bike month, and they go, why bike month? So why bike month? Absolutely. So Bike Month is a fantastic initiative that us at York Region have uh, really participated in uh, since about 2015. Um, It's an a partnership with many other GTHA regions in which we're really encouraging individuals to get out between May 30th to June 30th, 2022 to participate in Bike Month. There's lots of events going on locally in the community uh, to really get outside, enjoy the community, um, really experience a number of our our cycling trails and uh, infrastructure out there. And it's a great time to try out, if you haven't before, uh, cycling in York Region. And the thing that makes it special to me, Diana, is right now, I mean, I've noticed in the last five or six years, the, the just explosion of dedicated bike lanes on the roads throughout all the municipalities of the region. It's, I mean, everywhere you go, there's a dedicated bike lane. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what we love to see. We love to see more infrastructure in the ground so that, you know, individuals throughout York Region, if you're using um, our infrastructure for commuting or recreational purposes, that you have a dedicated bike lane there uh, to use that's safe, comfortable and convenient to help you get from point A to point B. And also, I find you you alluded to earlier, Diana, the bike trails, and you can get a lot of places around the region, even away from the roads and all the dedicated bike trails at the same time. Absolutely. We have a number of great trails throughout York Region. I would encourage anyone that's interested to take a look at our website at york.ca slash cycling. Uh, we have access to our York Region cycling map, which gives you know a really great snapshot of a number of different um, cycling facilities throughout the region. And we can also uh, provide trail guides as well that showcase a number of our beautiful trails throughout York Region for all to enjoy. You know, Diane, I remember back in the day, you really didn't have a lot of choice what bike you could get to start bicycling (laughs) around the region. But now, I mean, I see everything from the high-end road bikes to uh, hybrid bikes to off-road bikes to bikes with like a basket looks like a a throwback retro bike. But (laughs) you see all kind of bikes driving around the region now. Yeah, absolutely. There, there really is a, a great variety of different types of bikes throughout the region that, that individuals can go out and get. I would encourage you to, to take a look at your local bike shop. Um, there's such great knowledge experts out there for the, the best bike fit for you. But certainly if you haven't before, um, cycling around the region is a really efficient way to get around. You're avoiding a number of um, different areas that may be congested with vehicles. And it's a great way to stay healthy, get some exercise and really an efficient mode of transportation throughout the region. Thrilled to be speaking to Diana Kakamusi as the project manager for sustainable mobility in York region. And we should remind our listeners about safety tips, certain safety tips of people thinking, hey, I'm going to ride my bike more. I'm going to ride it to work more. I'm just going to be more active on my bike this month. But you do have to be aware of your surroundings. 
Absolutely. That's really, really important. And I would say, you know, for anyone that is uh, looking to take their, their bike out, whether it's during bike month um, going on right now or, or throughout the cycling season, just make sure that the that your bike is equipped with all the necessary safety enhancements to make sure that you're visible out there um, to other pedestrians, to drivers as well. So what's really important is ensuring that your bike is equipped with um, reflectors on them, uh, that it includes a front light, a bell to make sure that you know individuals know that you're approaching um and of course we always recommend um a helmet to be worn anytime you're taking your bike out to ensure safety is always paramount when you are taking your bike out now i don't know if you have the stats to back it up but it just seems to me living and working in the region i notice a lot more people on their bicycle in the region whether it's bike month or not a weekend cycling groups on some of the roads in the more rural areas of the region it just seems more and more people are using their bicycle in york region region these days. Absolutely. You are correct. And we are actually in the in point of updating our 2022 transportation master plan. And, and that is something that we've heard loud and clear from a number of residents through our engagement process, um, that they're interested in cycling. They're currently cycling. They'd like to see more infrastructure uh, in the ground as well to ensure that, um, you know, they're able to uh, take their bike and, and get to point A to point B. So certainly it's something that we've heard very loud and clear through our transportation master plan update. And, and really that shift towards more sustainable modes of transportation has really been evident over the past couple of years. And we hope it's a trend that continues here at York Region. Well, and it's a win-win at the end of the day, Diana, because A, you're you're helping the environment because you're not in a vehicle producing carbon, you're on a bicycle and staying healthy. And you know, Participation Canada says you need so many minutes of exercise a day and just riding your bike, you would satisfy that at the same time. Absolutely. It's such a, a great way to get in that, you know, extra couple minutes of a physical activity, keeping your body healthy, um, the environmental benefits, as you mentioned, too. And again, it's an efficient mode of transportation that will likely take you a lot uh, to your destination a lot sooner than, than standing in traffic. Going on now to the 30th of June Bike Month in York Region. Diana, thank you so much, and thank you to you and your staff for making another successful year for Bike Month. Well done. Thank you so much, and encourage everyone, york.ca slash cycling for more information. Thank you so much. Good to hear. We'll be right back on 105.9 The Region. Listen live at 1059theregion.com or 105.9 FM. This is 105.9 The Region with your stories, the good news in our neighborhoods, our cities, our country, and beyond. This is Good to Hear. I'm Shaliza Bacchus, and our next story on Good to Hear comes from Métis artist Eric Jackson. June is National Indigenous History Month, and Eric released a song with the Willow River Band called Birds of Prey. Hey, Eric, how are you? Hey, it's good. Uh, Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So tell me the story behind this song called Birds of Prey. Yeah, so the last uh, the last few years, my partner and I have been reconnecting with our Indigenous heritage. Um, we were both, we're both Métis, so we were both raised um, not super immersed in our culture. Uh, so over the last couple of years, uh, obviously there's been a lot in the news around residential schools and the 60s scoop and uh, the mistreatment of Indigenous peoples. So we've through our community, been exposed to a lot of stories um, from some survivors and um, ancestors of survivors that have shared their stories with us um, around their mistreatment, um, some that were actually in residential schools themselves. 
And so I wanted to put all of those stories into a song that kind of summarizes the pain that Indigenous people feel on a daily basis um, when having to hear about all of these you know, children being found at residential schools and, uh, and talking about land back initiatives and, and things like that. So that's, uh, that's how the song came to be. It, it was trying to remain as true to those stories as I could. I love the message that you're trying to put out. Like for me uh, personally, I just feel like I am super passionate about the whole residential school thing. And I think it's a little ridiculous, honestly, that attention's only really being brought to it now. So what kind of response have you been getting from the song? You know, a lot of people didn't know about these issues before, which is a conversation for another day. Yeah, um, the response has been very positive. Um, I actually shared it an early demo version of it with some of the um, elders and other people in, in the community I'm a part of that some of their stories were referenced in the song to make sure that I was getting it right. Um, because I was just kind of a channel, right? It wasn't really my personal story. Uh, and the response was very positive. Um, I've, I've heard um, that it's very accurate, that it captures the emotion perfectly. The emotion both of sadness and also a little bit of frustration, right, Um, of still having to be dealing with these issues. Yes, of course. And that's exactly what you're going for. And you mentioned that you were reconnecting with your heritage. How did you disconnect, if you don't mind my asking? So, um, as I mentioned, I'm I'm Métis. So half of my family are European settlers and then the other half has um, Indigenous peoples. And so I was predominantly raised in a pretty white community, right, Um, celebrating Christmas and all these different um, white holidays, if you will, right? Um, so I never really had much exposure to um, the Indigenous side of my family. And when my parents uh, split up, um, I kind of lost a bit of connection with that side of the family. So it became important to me um, over the last few years, especially as my partner and I were planning to uh, start the adoption process and uh, potentially have Indigenous children in our care, that we were going to be able to be connected Uh, to the community, not only for ourselves, but for any uh, potential children that we may have. Oh, that's such a great story. That really is. And what have been like the main takeaways that you've come across, you know, trying to reconnect with your heritage? Uh, The biggest thing for me, a couple things really is, is the the importance of um, the culture being preserved, um, making sure that there are spaces for um, youth and for adults like myself that maybe have been disconnected to, to be able to go and not feel judged that they don't know a whole lot, right? Being able to to learn more about the culture, whether it be ceremony or, or drum circles and things like that. And then the other thing, um, the importance of having space for that to be provided, having land that is that is given back uh, to the Indigenous community so that these types of experiences can continue to happen. Yeah. And with that being said, what do you think is the best way for maybe youth to get in touch, even if they're not necessarily of Indigenous culture? They just want to learn about the heritage, learn about the culture and the culture that was lost, really. I think the biggest thing, um, there's a lot of self-education that needs to happen. Like There's a lot of, I mean, Google is, it can be your best friend, right? Uh, Start looking for um, ways that you can educate yourself on the history of Indigenous peoples in Canada. Um, but then also looking at, um, there's a lot of social media groups, a lot of Facebook groups, um, there's land back initiatives um, out of Brantford, out of Kitchener-Waterloo, um, and there's a lot of resources posted in those channels for uh, where you can learn about um, the history, where you can see community events and, and, and things like that. 
Okay, good to know. All right, Eric, thank you so much for joining me. And before we wrap this up, I just want to note that we know that talking about the residential school system can be triggering and distressing for so many people, but we just want to let you know there is always support available. The Indian Residential Schools Crisis Line is available 24 hours a day for anyone experiencing pain or distress as a result of his or her residential school experience. You can give them a call at 1-866-925-4419. Good to hear. This is the good news. This is good to hear. I'm Glenn Perkins. Joining us now is Natish Bisono from Metrolinx. Natish, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Tell me about this project that is new to Metrolinx and it's exciting for anyone who's taking Go trains. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a partnership. It's with Luminato Festival. And for the very first time, Luminato is going to be using the Go train as a medium to perform. So that means that essentially you're going to see performers, uh, you know, dance, uh, you know, do theatrics on a live moving train. And this is the first of its kind and, and the first time that we're seeing something like this. Where did the idea for this come from? So this is a partnership that we have with Luminato as we help to get people to and from the festival itself. We have uh, several partnerships across the region um, as we work to move people to different activities. As you know, the weather is getting better. Um, we are slowly seeing more people come back to our service, whether it's new riders or returning customers. Um, and uh, we're very pleased to be able to bring them around to different activities throughout the region. And for some people who do commute using Go, it can be a long, boring trip to get to the office or wherever it is they're going. And this is going to liven up that experience, isn't it? Liven up that experience and, you know, um, add a bit of jazz to their commute, so to speak. And so what we're doing is we're offering um, different performances on different lines on different days. And so to find out more, they can head over, customers can over, head over to our blog at blog.metrolinks.com where they'll find all the information there. Um, but essentially, it's a really cool interactive uh, performance. There, there's going to be an actor who will begin the performance at one station and then continue on moving through the train. Um, customers are invited to follow and, and kind of see where the story unfolds. I don't want to give away too much, but really the, the goal of this is to, you know, um, really make the commute a bit more interesting and more important to highlight this great partnership that we have with Luminato. Natish, what do you think the reaction from the passengers will be? Well, we're calling this a delight, surprise, and a surprise. So we're hoping that people are delighted and surprised. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're looking forward to seeing um, the reaction and, and, more importantly, the, the feedback from customers. Um, we we scheduled this in a way where you know you can catch it at different times on different lines. Um, that way, we've really largened the scope and uh, and made sure that you know most people can can you know take advantage of this. But more importantly, we we're just looking forward to to seeing how it all plays out. Um, I myself, I haven't you know done a chance to see it, um, but I've seen some of the photos come in, some of the visuals, and it looks great. So I think it's going to be a surprise and a delight for customers. When will this be starting? Next week, we're looking at uh, on Monday on the Berry Line, on Tuesday on the Stouffville Line, and on Wednesday on the Milton Line. And then it continues on until the 17th. We're going to have uh, performances as well on the Lakeshore East Line and on the Lakeshore West Line. So these are happening during the morning commute, uh, so around 8 o'clock for most lines. And uh, again, if you head over to our website, blog.metrolinks.com, you can get all the information there in terms of the exact specific times as to when uh, these performances will be happening on the different lines all next week. 
Natish Persono from Metrolinks, thank you for joining us on the program today. Thanks for having me. I'm Glenn Perkins. This is Good to Hear. Send us your good news stories at info at 1059theregion.com. This is Good to Hear.